This is the Breakfast Leadership Podcast. Boundaries or burnout, you make the choice. Here's your host, Michael Levitt. Welcome back. I've got Marilena Falaris. How are you? I'm great, Michael. How are you? I am awesome. You have a brand new book out. Tell us about it and and we'll dive right into why you wrote it and what's the hope of this book and how it's going to impact so many people. So yes, the name of the book is called Women Enemies and it's combining two words, women and enemies. Uh, The whole premise behind it is each chapter breaks down a different instance in our lives where women are enemies to each other. But the whole title of the book is Women Enemies and How We Can Eliminate It. So while the initial part of the title might seem like a negative tone. It's actually a hopeful one. The book has a hopeful message. So each chapter starts out with what's an example of how women are enemies to each other. But then at the end of each chapter, it gives a positive lesson and a positive example of how women can be supportive to each other, how they can uplift each other, and how easy and simple it is to do that. And if we take that energy and apply it towards the positive and eliminate the negative, this world will be a better place. And there's just simple, simple steps and came from a very vulnerable place. Everything is based on my life or experiences that I've observed. Of course, I've changed some things to protect identities. Um, The identities are not what matter. It's the message. And that's, that's my book at the end. There's a, a guide for women, what to follow and how they can uplift and support one another. Because if we do that, the world in general, not just women, women and men will be better off. And this book is for men as well because they don't see the perspective of how certain actions can affect women. So that's my book. I've been getting a lot of positive responses and I'm really excited to be on your podcast. Well, thank you. Let's dive right into that. And I, I for one, celebrate a book like this and in the theme of it of supporting each other, we don't have to look very far to see combativeness and arguments and disagreements and concerns and, and competition that's not healthy within the workplace and society and everything else. And I tend to fall into the camp of, there's more than enough for everybody. And if we can celebrate and help out our fellow human beings, no matter what their gender, really encourage the leadership and the different perspectives of what women bring to leadership roles, the workplace, life in general, it makes life more fulfilling. I'll tell you a quick story. You know, my first right. job, I worked in a grocery store. So my first boss, of my first job ever in my life, his name is Donna. So my first boss was Donna and there were plenty of women and men working at this grocery store. And I didn't think anything differently because my mom worked, my grandmother worked, my great grandmother worked. My great grandmother was born in 1896 and she worked. So for, for me, this whole adage of, you know, women in the workplace thing wasn't, I didn't quite understand what everybody was making a big deal about it when I started working in the 80s. And then as I started working, I started seeing it and I'm looking at it going, why in the world is it this way? It always threw me off. I looked at it. Unfortunately, I was naive about some of the challenges that were being faced. And even to this day, we, we still face them. But 
I know that organizations and, and governors of states, you know, for California as an example, you know, where they have a mandate on, you know, the number of females that need to be on boards of directors. And again, I, I, I scratch my head and I go, why aren't there more females? Half, more than half the population is female. What, what, why is there this huge discrepancy? It's 2020. What is going on here? It's not like it's the 1940s. It's like, no, we've learned so much. So when I saw the, this book was coming out, I, I thought this is important to talk to you because I think one, it highlights you know, the strengths, but it also highlights the need for everyone to collaborate and work together in, in a better place uh, of supporting each other and helping each other out instead of this combativeness that we, we find in society today. So I'm going to get off my soapbox now, but I just wanted to chime in with that quick story before we continue. No, I love it. And just to go back, you're, you're right over half the population are women, but also, you know, when I, gra- I graduated law school in 2009, over half of our graduating class were females. And that happens in different industries as well. But if you look up on partner tracks across different industries, especially I would say in the tax and legal fields, as the ranks go up, the discrepancies go up as well. You don't see as many women. And, you know, I am challenging certain companies to make to see why. And the biggest reason is people take time off to have children, but that doesn't mean that they aren't as effective when they come back. And that that is the big gap and the big challenge for certain industries to catch up in. It's always been kind of a, a stipulation, I think, sometimes with people bringing on female leadership because there is that opportunity. But we're, we're starting to see that, depending on the country, of course. I know there's some countries where you know, they, they prefer, there's a split between the time off between the mom and the dad or, you know, same sex parents, if they're adopted a child, whatever the situation is, where there's a balance of people taking time off so everybody can have experience with this, with the new child. But I anticipate down the road, and it's not going to be very long, where the caregiver situation is coming into play because our parents, yeah. you know, the baby boomer age uh, people, you know, the age of individuals over age 65 is going to double in less than two decades. Uh, They'll triple if they're over age 90. Now we need to take care of our parents and the system as it's designed doesn't matter where you're at in North America or across the globe. There's not enough resources to put all of our parents in nursing homes or long-term care homes or assisted living homes because they just don't exist. So these people have to have some place to go. They need care. So it means as an employee, male or female, you may need to take time away from work to address these things. So it's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how things play out over the next couple of decades. And of course, at the time of this recording, and it really wasn't going to chime into COVID-19 too much, but with remote work uh, happening, it may create the opportunity where there's a little bit more flexibility in what we call work and allowing you to do things during the day if you need to and still be able to do the work you need. Yes, it's, I mean, I think this COVID-19 will change a lot, but even prior with the whole caretaking, it's going to be very interesting. And, you know, every culture is very different. I come from a very uh, Greek culture and Norwegian as well, but the Greek kind of uh, over is overbearing gene, I, I, I tend to say. And, you know, that's really of everyone takes care of their own. And I think we're going to see that on a mass scale. And so I think companies will have to adjust to that as well. 
um, it's going to be interesting times, but I think it could also be interesting in a way of people coming together to support each other and create a community and family, even if it's not your biological one. Community angle of things, I really, really hope, yes. comes back. And yes. I, I know a lot of, of people, uh, um, actually people I work with, I've had bosses that you know, are, you know, have heritage from Greece and that screams through the the family the community making sure everybody's taken care of and that uh, that is a character trait that i wish more cultures would adopt so uh, not, i didn't know that this was going to be a soapbox event but that's okay we're good we're on the you same know, we're on the same we're page the same with page. that <laughs> exactly so yeah so so we'll, we'll dive into the book a little bit yeah. more and, and specifically on you know what, what drove you to write it because i i interview a lot of authors and mm -hmm. i'm one as well and there's always a backstory to why you write a book because it is a huge endeavor to do it it's not something that uh, you, especially if it's a, you know, published book that such as yours is, it, it takes a lot of time to, to write it, to get editing done, cover art, you know, how are you going to publish it? What, you know, all of these things. So, you know, what was kind of the backstory about why you wanted to write the book and why it was important for you to give up a lot of your time to be able to get this book out? Well, thanks for asking that question. Yes. Yeah, so it actually was, almost a decade ago, the date uh, that I started to write it. And what was the catalyst was I was actually engaged um, and I had been in a, an almost nine year uh, relationship with my then fiance and was going, went through law school, took the bar and uh, was then contacted from the other woman to my then fiance. I already had my wedding dress invitations called that a halt, ended my relationship. And I actually never blamed her. I mean, I always thought it was sad if someone knew someone was, pre, you know, was taken, married, engaged in a relationship and still proceeded to have a relationship with them. But the person to blame was my then fiance. So I ended things and I never blamed her because that was just a waste of energy. A year later, and this is where the book started, a year later, she contacted me via email and in an attacking fashion of telling me to back off her man, even though I had not had contact like that with my ex-fiance. And uh, it, the emails went back and forth twice. And I admittedly, probably, I, I not probably, I did. I took some, I did never swore in those emails, but I, I did make some jabs and I ended up sharing that with a group of friends who they all thought it was pretty comical. But then it, it, that whole part, and they read it at bachelorette parties and I got a lot of feedback on the writing style. And it made me then stop and think and say, wait a minute, I'm starting to become an enemy to this woman, even though in my head, I thought it was justified. And let me take a step back and think about how women treat each other. Why, why was this woman the other woman? Why is she trying to attack me? Um, when I haven't done anything to her. And then I started thinking, I, I was very, very, very blessed uh, my childhood growing up until I hit college. My childhood friends, high school friends, uh, middle elementary school, I never had a lot of the experiences that I vet, which I then went on to have after college with gossip, cattiness, competitiveness, any of that. 
growing up. And so when I went East Coast for college, then I started to see that what, you know, the, the gossip, the trying to be the other woman, competitiveness over everything, and then entering in as a law clerk and then in the legal profession, seeing women compete against each other. And if one woman succeeded, rather than celebrating them, kind of saying, well, why isn't that me? Rather than saying, hey, there's enough room at the table for everyone to be there. So I started outlining different instances in ways women were enemies to each other. Um, and it started slowly, you know, I'd write a couple paragraphs. This took years and I would kind of let it go by the wayside. You know, I was practicing, then I changed careers and was in a business side in, in law and, and kept on moving forward, but kept on taking notes. And then I got pregnant and I said, by the time I gave, I gave birth, I will have finished my first draft. And I finished it, my first draft one week before I gave birth. And I ended up adding through a lot. Mothers can judge each other very, very viciously. We can also uplift each other very, very well. You know, I, probably the most favorite chapter of all the men I know is the mother-in-law chapter that I put in the book. And I, I came, it's, I have interactions with my mother-in-law, which I, it's a universal scale. So, and then women in the workforce can be a cause of each other's stress. So I wrote about that and each chapter talks about that. And that was why I wrote about it. And then I wrote about it to also celebrate the amazing women that have uplifted me and supported me in the work, in family, and just in life. And so that's my journey. And then I, I will say I put it to the side. I had edited it during my maternity leave. And then it I had a to 2019, and I write this in the book, was probably one of the hardest years of my entire life because I had decided, you know, a month after, two months after coming back to work, um, I decided to switch jobs. I moved to LA. It was a great job. I'm still in that job, vice president of a growing employment law firm. And my father came from Greece to take care of my child for six months as we prepared for what LA childcare was. And which is, by the way, you have to put yourself on waiting lists for like three years in advance. Father got sick and I became his caretaker. And so I added that to new mom, a new position moving and was extremely stressed out. And my father ended up getting better, going to Greece and unexpectedly passing. I had to add that role to me. And I'm not coming from a victim point, but I kind of put a lot of things on hold. But my father was an amazing man who wanted to help people. He was a life coach. Um, he did that more of as a hobby. And I knew that I had a message and he knew about my book. And so in November, I contacted a consultant who is amazing and he helped me get my message out there. And it was a lot of work, but it really, really fulfilled me. And it didn't matter how many hours it took to finish and get it out there. And the responses that I've gotten from this has been, you know, amazing and I overcame my fears and I just got the book out there. It's so inspiring <laughs> to hear and obviously losing losing a parent you know as I said in the pre-show you know at the time of this recording this is about three and a half weeks since I lost my dad and yeah. it's it's one of those things where you know I'm still working through it but when you're going through Something like you did in childbirth, being a parent, uh, LA daycare. I mean, basically, if you have a three-year wait list, then you basically need to 
schedule having a kid, which is absolutely amazing to <laughs> say, but think about it. It's like, oh yeah, it's like, okay, if we have a kid, it's going to be three years. You know, they're, you know, they're going to be second year university before we can stick them at daycare. And my hunch is he or she's not going to want to go into daycare at that particular point. They may need to, but that's another story for another day. Yeah, it's amazing what kids do once they get to university. Not that I know anything about that. Goes to show that in writing a book about something that you're passionate about, sometimes and most times, life happens in between. It's not a case where you can basically carve out several months or like in your situation, it took you years to get this book out. And I'm thankful that it did because I think the experiences of life made the book stronger than it would have been if you would have published it all those years ago when you just started it because there were so many other experiences that you picked up and observations and working and and seeing how other women supported you the case of um your ex-fiance's uh, girlfriend you know attacking you and you know, obviously it's a natural defense mechanism to want to protect yourself because you know, based on, on what you've shared it wasn't your fault that that happened that way. It was kind of ironic that you're being attacked for something that wasn't your fault. And right. you hadn't reached out to him at all. And all of a sudden you're getting the, the stay away from my man type of messaging. So yeah, it's a natural defense to want to go, what in the world are you talking about? Uh, so it's, again, in writing a book, and there's always journeys because you're reflecting back on the things, especially as you're writing the chapters. Uh, but it, it jumps out at me that, again, those life experiences made the book stronger. A hundred percent. And that's why when people say, what do you regret most in life or what would you change? You know, I, I always say I wouldn't change anything. I regret sometimes worrying too much, like, oh, my life has changed so much or what, how am I, how is the future going to look? But if you don't go through those experiences, and that's why I was very, very vulnerable and very transparent in my book. I was even transparent to instances where I have been a woman enemy because I no way have I, am I better than anybody else in this book, is those life experiences can help me help somebody. And through writing it, it was not only healing, it was showing gratitude, acknowledging instances where people are enemies. And that's what I tell people is that you can't just dust things under the rug. If we want to eliminate the way women treat each other, and you can go in anywhere, and everyone, everyone will say, gosh, women should be more like men. They don't have, you know, bro code, or they don't do this. Why aren't they? They, they need to be nice to each other. But that's where the conversation stops. And we don't really analyze that you have to acknowledge the enemy in order to defeat them. And so my point to this book is to just go into each chapter and identify where women are enemies to each other and use my, my vulnerable and painful life experiences to highlight that and highlight the positive as well. And it took a lot even from my father's death and what I went through during the burnout, because I know you speak a lot during that. And that's a big thing that women and mothers go through. They should themselves. I should be a better housewife. I should be a better cook. I should be, you know, staying up later to do this. I should lose weight quicker. Um, should, should, should. And my message is you need to treat yourself as you would your best friend. So I, I, life experiences only make you stronger. And if you use that for a bigger good, and um, I'm really excited to be on this journey because my hope is to be able to coach other women speak to other women organizations, um, not just women and men, how to make each other better and lead with positivity. 
and this book is going to do exactly that. I am <laughs> Thank so, you. so thrilled to have had this opportunity to talk with you. And, and where can people find out more about this book and uh, the awesome work that you're doing? Well, they can find more about the book at my website. It's www.womenemies.com. And that's spelled W-O-M-E-N-E-M-I-E-S.com. And I there have links to all the social media. I'm on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and LinkedIn, Mari Lena Falaris. And they can reach out to me through the website. There's a contact us and I'm free to talk. If somebody wants to speak, have a consulting, talk about speaking at a bigger group. I'm, I'm really not trying to pigeonhole myself and how I can help people. And especially during these times, anyway, I can help. That's the within my power, I will. That's awesome. And I'll definitely have all that information in the show notes. So thank you so much again for the book and also for this awesome work you're doing. Thank you. And thank you for everything you're doing as well. You're doing a great, great job and more people need to learn how to not burn out. Hey, it's Michael again. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really appreciate it. If you're like many people, you're dealing with some significant stress and possibly approaching burnout. I know how you feel. In 2009, my burnout led to a year of worst-case scenarios. I do not want that to happen to you. If you go to breakfastleadership.com, you can register for a free webinar on burnout prevention, as well as get as a free checklist to have successful mornings. Start off each day the right way. Again, that's at breakfastleadership.com. Also, since you are a loyal podcast listener, I'm asking you to like, rate, and review my podcast on iTunes. I look at all the reviews and appreciate your comments, and it helps other potential listeners discover the content I have on the show. I appreciate you, and thanks again for listening.